Under the helmet with Darcy Watergrave. Rally, thanks to Spark Sport. World Rally Championship lives here. Welcome to Under the Helmet Rally Podcast with Spark Sport. World Rally Championship lives here. On episode one of the podcast, we speak with Chris Grant. He's the Rally New Zealand Results Coordinator for the WRC and the NZRC. He also runs Chris Sport, the live rally results service for NZ Rallying. He's been around the rallying scene for longer than I care to remember. He's a part of the furniture, and we like to call him Arbol. That's Rally Bible on Legs. What Chris Grant doesn't know about rallying in this country is not worth knowing. So sit back, relax, and listen as I speak with Chris Grant about what it took to get the rally back onto these shores for the first time in over a decade. This is Under the Helmet Rally with Darcy Watergrave. Thanks to Spark Sport, WRC lives here. Very good day to you, Mr. Grant. I trust you're well and completely overwhelmed with what we're about to face. This is taken so long to set up and finally we're on the cusp of hearing it roar again how excited are you mate and welcome oh absolutely thanks darcy absolutely over the moon mate it's uh, as you say the expression i've used 10 long years uh, since 2012 when the wrc guys in their previous form uh, were here and we had none other than sebastian Loeb win the uh, win the rally i think you were on the finish ramp in the viaduct event center at the end of it to uh, congratulate him and uh, when you see some of the other names, it's um, it's really interesting that uh, Mikko Herman was uh, second to him uh, in a Citroen, and Peter Solberg uh, was third. And when you think now that it's his son we're going to be uh, hosting here uh, this year, actually, I believe he's 21 on the flight out here uh, the week before the rally, so uh, we can hopefully uh, help him celebrate his 21st birthday down under. And, uh, yeah, mate, it's, uh, it's a whole new generation, a whole new generation of cars, and we definitely need to talk about the safety side of those things. The, the spectators have a definite role to play, an active role in making sure that Repco Rally New Zealand runs successfully and to its full 17-stage uh, distance. But, yeah, mate, I'm absolutely fizzing. It's been uh, way, way too long. We had a false start. We were on the calendar in 2020. And dear old Mr COVID uh, told us that we uh, determined that we weren't able to run the rally then. Uh, but, no, 2022, she's all here. Uh, as we speak, the cars are being prepped after they've, uh, a number of them have been used in Greece. And they'll be put on the planes and they're on their way out here. The infrastructure is already arriving. And uh, yep, she's all go, mate, flat out to the to uh, uh, to get ourselves ready for uh, Repco Valley, New Zealand. Speaking with Hayden Padden, saying, you know, that he was involved in getting it here. And he said, look, I did not a great deal. I'm a, I'm a face, I'm a name more than anything else. But the people behind the scenes, there are so many of them. They worked so hard for so long with no definitive. They didn't know if they were actually going to get this rally. So let's wind the clock back around about 10 years when we last had it and look at the work involved and the people involved. Who deserves the big pat on the back? I mean, there are so many people involved, but there are a few key components, aren't there? Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly the, the two that immediately spring to mind are the, the guys that just don't have no in their vocabulary, to be quite honest, and that never, ever gave up. And that's uh, PJ Johnson, the chairman of, of Rally New Zealand, and who, of course, was a mentor to the likes of Scott Dixon, a number of other uh, race drivers, Brendan Hartley, uh, who've all made their name and, and created careers out of the uh, uh, the efforts that PJ uh, was able to see and the potential these guys had in years gone by. And Michael Goldstein, a young chap who was actually um, carved his mark in uh, in New Zealand sport through I think, through golf, in actual fact. But he has also been uh, a passionate uh, uh, motorsport, particularly rally man, uh, over the years. 
And those guys have worked just absolutely tirelessly over the last well, effectively decade, uh, just constantly knocking on the door. And I think Hayden, to a certain extent, has made himself understated what he was about because, uh, you know, when he was active on the uh, in the Hyundai World Rally team, I think it got to the stage where uh, some of the FI hierarchy and the WRC promoters, whenever they saw Hayden coming in the service park and an event he was doing, they steered a wide, gave him a wide berth, shall we say, because ultimately the conversation would inevitably turn to, hey, when are we going to get Rally New Zealand back on the uh, on the WRC calendar? So uh, if you put it down to, to three guys, I think probably they are the, the primary three. Um, but again, there's certainly an awful lot of others that are working behind the scenes all the time that have just been chipping away and uh, ultimately it's paid off. I think what I enjoy about Rally predominantly is the amount of volunteer work that's involved in this, Chris Grant, because there simply isn't the money going around to pay people to be involved, but there are bodies everywhere. There are so many people involved in so many different levels. How important is that, that the community get behind an event like this uh, to not only get it here, but to safely run it? And we'll talk about the safety shortly, because New Zealand Rally has got a huge history and a great rep as being a very, very safe rally but the the volunteer side of it enormous absolutely and i'd, I'd perhaps go step uh, bring in another actually entity and and that's the local residents because you know this event doesn't happen at eden park at stanley street um you know the the, the venues we have for so many other top sports in new zealand it's not a stadium sport by any street it is out in the country and you know the roads that we're using we have to get council and residents' approval to actually close the roads to enable us to use them. So big shout out, to be quite honest, to all the local authorities and the residents that live on the roads um, that, that are, a, are basically prepared to let us go in there. And it's not just on rally day, on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's during the week before, a day uh, in the lead up, we've got the cars going out and doing their pre-rally reconnaissance where the drivers make their pace notes. So uh, that is a, a whole separate day's exercise and disruption to the, uh, the local population. We like to think we do actually have a a, um, a way to help pay that back in the form of bringing this uh, fantastic WRC circus to their local area. Uh, and so in that regard, there's a lot of local um, um, uh, groups, ro- Rotary, um, all the various other um, local community groups, schools and the like, that are given the opportunity to uh, create uh, food stalls and get out and uh, hopefully reap the economic benefits of um, of this, uh, as I say, wonderful uh, a sport that we love and enjoy so much, you know, going to their area, the likes of Raglan, Copper, uh, Helensville, Walkworth, all those sort of places, um, Whitford are all going to benefit, hopefully, from the uh, the fact that the rally has come to town, so to speak, and it's coming right into their uh, their backyard. Chris Grant is our guest. Chris, as I said before, you've been uh, doing rally for longer than I care to remember. What is it with rally here in New Zealand, your attachment to it? Why has it taken, I suppose, such great traction and held on for so many years, right since the early days of, of, of Heatway, I presume, back in the late 60s? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. 69 was the first uh, rally, New- international rally in New Zealand. Um, and yeah, we, we progressed through the 70s. Uh, the organisation originally started off in Wellington. And after the first ever um, rally WRC event uh, in New Zealand, and funnily enough, a rally in 1977, a rally that was actually called the Rally of the South Pacific. The name New Zealand wasn't actually on it. Um, and the likes of uh, your, your uh, uh, peer, uh, Brian Kelly, and his great mate Ian Woodley, they were the stage end commentators and they would basically leapfrog the rally as it, uh, this particular one started in Wellington and came to spend a week coming up to Auckland. And yeah, it was an absolutely fantastic event. It was, uh, from my own point of view, listening in on because it was part of Radio New Zealand uh, covered by them. You listen in set times each night to get the latest updates as to who was doing what. 
And of course, the story was, of course, that particular year, there was uh, three works Fiat's that were here, uh, 131 Arbats, and uh, they were um, had to take on a, a, a Kiwi team, but, but it had a fantastic Finnish, a young up-and-coming Finnish driver, a guy called uh, Ari Vartanen, uh, powering the, uh, the Massport Escort. And uh, yeah, he continued continually threw the car off the road. The local Kiwi team kept on repairing it and keeping him going. And ultimately, there was one stage, a 100-kilometre stage in the middle of the night uh, over in the Gisborne region where Ari Vartanen started behind the three works Fiat's and he reached Brian Kelly and Ian Woodley at the end of the stage as the first car on the road. And his quote at the end of the stage was, now I can die happy, the fact that he caught and passed the three works Fiat's. And it got down to it as the rally progressed up to Auckland. Mystery Creek on the Saturday was the start of the last day. We all went down there and, and had a look and uh, watched the cars whistle around the old rally cross track. And as the cars ultimately got up into the domain, which of course is where Rally New Zealand will start this year, um, it, is, uh, it was, came down to a situation where Ari Barton had closed into within a couple of minutes of the leading uh, um, Fiat, and that was suffering from serious engine problems. So it could well have been if things had, uh, in fact, the, that, that lead car, uh, Fiat, was the, one of the last cars to actually travel and struggle through the stage and reach the finish to be crowned the winner. And Barton and his fabulous Kiwi co-driver, another legend of the sport here, and Jim Scott, uh, was the uh, were, were, were declared second. Uh, and again, it really set the uh, the path. It certainly got me fired up and, com- and confirmed my need to be involved. In uh, 78, the following year, the organisation shifted to Auckland and I've been involved ever since and in various roles and uh, basically doing do media work through the 80s and 90s and then taking over, being responsible for the results operation uh, ever since. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, been 45 glorious years from my point of view, mate. Under the Helmet Rally. Lifting the lid on the World Rally Championship. Thanks to Spark Sport, WRC lives here. Part two of Under the Helmet Rally Podcast returns shortly with more from Chris Grant as we look toward the start of the WRC in New Zealand for the first time in 10 long years. How important, Chris Grant, has it been that we've had Kiwis running not necessarily at the front of the pack, but Kiwis that have had big names that have contributed to the overall success of World Rally Championships over here? And I suppose you look to names like, well, initially, a possum born has got to be one of those. That That's key, isn't it, for the success over here? Oh, very much so. Well, he's the man that Hayden Patton, uh, you know, watched. And uh, there was Colin McRae. I think ha- Hayden, although he has his major affinity with Hyundai and Hyundai New Zealand, I think if you asked him what his, uh, his favourite rally car was as he was growing up, was, of course, the, the Subaru uh, Legacies and Imprezas that Colin McRae and Possum Bourne. Uh, you know, basically, it's interesting that Hayden Patton has done the equivalent with Hyundai that Possum did with Subaru, got them involved uh, in the sport. Um, and now Hayden is an, an, a Hyundai ambassador. Um, so, yeah, so Possum Bourne, Neil Allport, Joe McAndrew coming up through the years, uh, Richard Mason and his wife, Sarah. Um, yeah, they've all been uh, top of the uh, the heap in their own little sort of areas, if you like, and, and for periods of time. Uh, Possum, with his untimely death back in uh, in 2003, was very much sawn off when he was on the verge of actually running a, a full WRC campaign in the Group N, the second tier category of that particular era. And, and now, of course, uh, Hayden is, and John Kennard, have excelled getting into a full uh, WRC team uh, with Hyundai, which unfortunately, again, hasn't quite worked out their way fully. And and now Hayden, of course, and his local Kiwi team are going to be going back in fully fledged into the WRC2 category with the support of Hyundai New Zealand next year. So over the years, over the years, uh, it's been a uh, an awesome ride with all these various guys standing up at different times. 
Um, and again, the other thing I guess that keeps you interested is it is one big family. It really is a family sport. You know, I could quote you probably 20 or 30 crews coming out of the 75 competing in Rally New Zealand uh, this year where the crew, the in-car crew, has a relationship of some form, a father-daughter, uh, brothers and sisters. Uh, we've even got a brother and sister in two, co-driving in two different cars with Jared and Amy Hudson. Um, you know, so again, we've got, uh, and I think we're even going to have a grandfather and a grandson uh, this year, David Taylor and, and Arthur Braun competing in the national event. So, you know, once you're in it, mate, you're, you're in it for life. And the, the, the friends I've made and associates I've, uh, and relationships and friends I've built up over the years, it's, it's second to none. It really, really is a, a common thread for us all. Logistically, coming to New Zealand with all of that crew and all of that equipment is a nightmare. Why do they keep coming back? How do we manage to keep getting these teams back? Because it must cost them a fortune. It takes a really, really long time. It's miles away from anywhere. We're not talking about a big sales market on our backyard. It's little old New Zealand. What's the attraction with WRC coming here to New Zealand? Well, I think it's no more epitomised from the recent quotes and interviews with Sebastian Ogier the second most successful driver in the history of the World Rally Championship, eight times world champion. He has gone into semi-retirement this year, uh, just doing a selection uh, of events. And when he's, he's on record as saying that when he was working out what he could and couldn't do with his other commitments in the World Endurance Championship and, uh, and the likes, um, yeah, that uh, New Zealand was one of the first rallies he put on his, his list, his bucket list to come back to. And the best rally roads in the world. Their roads that the competitors, unlike what we've just seen in Greece, where it was a drive to survive scenario, um, you know, and the guys have to drive to protect the cars as they're thundering over rocks and absolutely abusing the uh, the, the fabulous, you know, half million euro cars that they've been allowed to go out and play in. Well, here in New Zealand, it really is a driver's event. The guys here can go like stink because it, and it truly will be the fastest driver that actually wins the rally. Uh, because they don't have the, the roads are so smooth. In fact, I can quote you another reference. We, as you'd be aware, uh, back in April we had the FIA safety delegate Michel Mouton, the fabulous uh, French driver from back in the mid '80s in the Audi Quattros, which again were another benchmark vehicle in the history of the World Rally Championship, which introduced four-wheel drive uh, to the rally scene. Um, she was out here doing her her drive over the roads with our clerk of the course, Stuart Barnett, and uh, Stuart. Had, told me of uh, not just one, but several occasions with driving the roads, Michelle stopped the car in the stages, got out and stood on the roads because she couldn't believe she was driving on gravel roads. She was convinced she was driving on tarmac. So that's how smooth and revered the roads are here, that the drivers can just get out the wonderful cambered roads. They talk about the being able, if you got the rhythm right and, you know, you experienced it somewhat with a test session you've just been to with Hayden Patton, you get on a piece of cambered road and the car literally dance and get the rhythm right. The car virtually dances from corner to corner. And it is one of the, I don't know, what do you call it? Climactic, you know, sensations that a driver can feel to control a car at pace through the corners like that. And again, I hark back to Richard Burns in about 20, 2005, I think it was. He got it wrong up on uh, Brooks Road or one of the stages up north. And he went off big time because he just got himself out of sequence on the on the crests and the brows uh, that we have uh, that New Zealand has become renowned for. So to summarise it, they come back because of the roads, mate. And uh, yeah, it's, I really have to say it's probably as simple as that. And they really, really can open their uh, open themselves up and just go like you wouldn't believe to get to from stage start to stage finish in the fastest possible time. And uh, yeah, head off their opposition. I'd be, you know, we've New Zealand has actually created history back in 2007 
uh, when we were based at Mystery Creek with the closest ever result of a rally that ran, a WRC rally that ran full term, 350 kilometres of road, and Sebastian Loeb um, finished up succumbing to Marcus Gronholm, and Gronholm beat him as he went round Mystery Creek with a margin of 0.3 of a second, which is about half the length of the bonnet of the car. That's how close the competition can be. And, you know, when we also had a 2.4 second result when Yari Mati Latvala, the other team boss of Toyota Gazoo Racing, actually stole the rally on Fonga Coast, which is a, a fabulous, one of the most iconic pieces of road in New Zealand and world rally, stole it away from none other than Sebastian Ogier in 2010, when Ogier finished up clipping a bank and ripping the front bumper off his car just three corners from the end of Fonga Coast. Latvala hadn't won a stage in the whole rally, and he went through, he was basically a bit like the old tortoise in the hair, he just drove through all the carnage. Globe had gone off. Peter Solberg had taken out a power pole. And that Vala came through and stole the rally for Ford in 2010. You know, so And the margin, 2.4 seconds after over 400 kilometres of rally. So we're not only, I guess, yes, it's the roads. The drivers can just drive and basically just do their own thing. But also it's the, um, it's the tightness of the competition and the results that we've been able to achieve over the years. Darcy Waldegrave goes under the helmet thanks to Spark Sport. World Rally Championship lives here. Thanks for listening to episode one of Under the Helmet Rally Podcast. You've been listening to Chris Grant, the Rally New Zealand Results Coordinator for the WRC, as we took a look back at what it took to bring the World Rally Championship back to New Zealand for the first time in over 10 years. Thanks so much for your time. Feel free to check out the other episodes of Under the Helmet. Thanks to Spark Sport.